0: This is your host Tia. This is your host Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top Ten. Why? Eek vibes nation. Eek vibes nation. 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 The Top Ten. The Top. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me my fantastic co-host, Brittany. How are you doing, Brittany?
1: I feel like it wouldn't be the podcast if I don't talk about the five million cats in this house already trapping me for the podcast. So, you know, that's how
0: I know I'm ready. (laughs) Exactly. I have my coffee. I have my dog next to me. It's all good. You have Tia. You got Brittany. And today, you also have a very special guest. I have been trying to get him onto the top 10 forever. And it is Dan Aquino from They Call This a Movie. You guys have heard me sing their praises for probably months now. (laughs) I'm not sure how long I've been doing it. But Dan, welcome to the top 10
2: hey guys how's it going good to be here
0: it's fantastic i I gotta Um, say
2: uh i'm usually waking up around this time now so (laughs) that's probably why you've had a hard time getting me on the podcast like 10 o'clock oh my god i think
0: that's how it is with everyone i try and get on the top 10 um funny story with that so this is like way like probably tmi but i wasn't always the host of the top 10 um that was before me about two years ago and the guy who did run it always did at 10 in the morning um because back then we used to use this software that um you know you couldn't just record whenever you want to you had to like record at specific times so i think i just kept it and i'm an early bird Anyway, but Brittany can tell you that she probably hates it because she's in Arkansas, so she's an hour behind, so she's at nine right now. But me, realistically, I could probably do this at like eight o'clock in the morning just because I wake up at like six anyway.
2: (laughs) Oh, Brittany, I don't know how you deal with this.
0: Well, that's like, I'll be,
1: T.O. will get me sometimes where I'll be streaming, and I'll be, like, up until, like, one in the morning, and I'm like, oh, man, I can't, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to sleep in, and then it'll be, like, 4 a.m., and I'll go, oh, no, oh, no, it's, (laughs) I love the podcast, but I go, oh, no, I've made a great mistake, so there was one time, um, one of my viewers, he said, uh, I listened to the podcast, he goes, why do you sound drunk? And I said, I sound drunk because I'm so tired that I'm running off of nervous, tired energy. Uh, well, no, I'll, I'll the... tell
2: you. I, I woke up at, I set my alarm for 9.30 today, and I was immediately thinking of excuses not to do the podcast.
1: Uh, I no. just asleep! sleep.
2: <laughs> How do I get out of this? I'm dying. That's what's happening right now. I'm, I'm dying, unfortunately. Can't make it. <laughs> I, I, made, I made a commitment. I made a commitment, so I, I didn't want to let Tia down because she well, she came on our podcast and was phenomenal, and so I, I couldn't do that to you.
0: Well, I was going to say on the flip side, when we recorded your guys' episode, and it was like nine thirty, nine forty, and I was sitting there going. Uh, I want to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I think
2: the moral of the story is it's hard to podcast. (laughs) It it takes it's more than just like getting on and and doing it. There's a lot of effort involved.
0: Yes, absolutely. We're not just sitting here having fun, guys. I mean, we're having fun, but it's work as well. But. But I am excited that you're here, Dan, because we are doing this week the Top 10 Worst Movie Endings. And I was going to say that we did a Top 10 years ago, again, when, like, the other guy was hosting it, um, a, like, Top 10 Most Disappointing Endings, but it's been a really long time, and I certainly didn't do this topic with Brittany, and I didn't do it with you, so... I think that we should just and first of all, I think bad movies are kind of your specialty uh Dan uh that's what you guys cover all the time on they call this movie every once in a while a good movie, but before we hop into the top ten, Dan, while you're here, why don't you promote uh you know stranger Damies? You take over for oh. me this week,
2: <laughs> oh man, thank you so much, uh yeah, so. We have a Real Play D&D podcast that we are actually gearing up for the second campaign. It, our first campaign went three years, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, our good friend Mark Myers is the Game Master. Uh, he's also a part of They Called This a Movie. So new episodes air every Wednesday, or they will be airing every Wednesday, and we're going to be doing our character creation uh, episodes uh, this week. So... Myself and other people of the uh, main Damie network will be introducing their characters and giving a little bit of a backstory for those who are interested in it. So you could follow us on Twitter at Stranger Damies and also Instagram at Stranger Damies.
0: Awesome, yeah. And we had Mark on probably... Brittany, I can't remember when we had I Mark on. Well
1: I laughed that time because remember he had a he had a kid that was outside the window just like screaming. Not his kid. He was <laughs> neighbor kid. And we were laughing because I was like, man, the kid's got some pipes. Uh,
2: for a second, that I was like, was... kid? I don't think Mark has a kid unless he's been hiding from us for years.
0: <laughs> he's just been hiding this child from you guys. Uh, you didn't good, know, but he's good he had at it. a kid. I was actually thinking of the other day
1: because uh, I, I started my IT internship uh, this week, and the guys were like, yeah, it's great. And when it gets real slow, we do D&D. And I was like, oh, my people.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Done everyone has i feel like everyone has a knowledge and love for D&D other than me um which is you know no shade to dnd or anything but it's like i literally know nothing about it other than what i've heard about on stranger things so um but if you guys who are listening are into dnd please make sure you check out stranger damies and let's just get into this top 10. so brittany i'm gonna let you start um as usual just so that Dan can kind of get an idea of how we run this. So why don't you give us, Brittany, your number 10 on our top 10 worst movie endings.
1: I have to look at that. You know what? I'm not, I'm going to softball at first. Okay. And that's okay. because I've had this issue since I was younger. The ending of Titanic. There was enough. Yeah. <laughs> there was enough room. You have this beautiful setup, right? And I get it. I get it. Have Jack die. And I, I understand that. I understand the entire setup. Because at first when I was looking back through and I saw somebody else mention Titanic and they're like, the ending. And I was like, well, the Titanic's a real story. You can't exactly change the ending. And when they were like, oh, Jack and Rose, there was enough room. I sat there and went, wait, wait a second. And I went back through and I watched. and I was like, yeah, there is a point that there's plenty of room. Then he kind of just sits there at no point Tia. Was there, like, I'm trying to think of the word for this. I guess it was just kind of like, if you were wanting Jack to die, and I get that, and wanted it to be a moment, you could have had it done in any other way. I just feel like it could have been done in such more, in so much more of a believable way. And my only thing that I give this torch and this one, softballing for a number 10, is that uh, in, uh, have y'all do y'all know Branson, Missouri? It's like a... Like, it's close to, like, Arkansas. It's a place where there's a lot of, uh, like, Dolly Parton has a show here, and there's the Dixie Stampede, and there's, like, uh, a big amusement park here. Well, there's the Titanic uh, Museum, and it's literally half of, like, looks like half the Titanic, and it's sat up like it's sinking, and it's really cool, but they have where you can stick your hand in water that's supposed to be as cold as the day that happened, And you go, okay, you lose feeling pretty quick. Now, if they said, hey, he didn't have the motor skills to get back up on the plank, I get that. It was cold enough. But they said there wasn't enough room, and there's my issue.
0: (laughs) I feel like it's been proven now that there was enough room on that board. When I was looking up bad movie endings, other lists had said that they hated how the old lady – threw the diamond in the water at the end and it's like i remember Watch first i've only seen titanic once because i feel like it's one of those movies you only watch once and i remember when the old lady threw that diamond in. i was like you mother effer like what the hell you know like all this (laughs) like work to try and get this goddamn diamond and you just are like no but dan um how do you feel about the ending of the titanic
2: uh, that's an interesting choice. I never thought about. I I I, I guess as a guy, I always just kind of scoffed at it because it was like such a chick flick. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I to me, I think they were really trying to go for you know they were trying to pull the heartstrings, and you have Leo. He's he's such a he's such a heartthrob. So losing him, I think you know they they really wanted to to work on that. But yeah, and I always you always see the memes where um they they show how many people could actually fit on the door and all that. So and then uh I I forget who was saying that basically the reason why he doesn't is because he's afraid it's going to tip over. Uh I thought it was the 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 ending was kind of silly when she drops the heart of the what is it? The heart of the ocean, right?
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think yet. that's what it's I, called. I, I,
2: yeah, I, I think it was kind of silly and a little a, a little hand-fisted like okay, we you know, we get it. She she held on to this and it was like basically holding on to her love of him. But didn't she say she had a husband and kids after that? Like after the yeah. Titanic? She lived <laughs> a whole life. <laughs> yeah, so her to me that kind of means that her marriage was a sham because she didn't yeah, love this that's dude. That yeah. is
1: kind of sad because you sit there and, and not to just talk over you but that is a good point. I guess that would have been like uh Steve uh Rogers, you know, with him being like, Yes, I am still in love with uh oh god, what's her name? Oh, Peggy. Peggy, because Peggy. Peggy never I don't think she did she ever marry because yeah, that's no, her she
0: did marry. Yeah, she, she got mad.
2: She, <laughs> yeah, to... she was
0: still in with Steve. <laughs> but he did. Well she thought he, he did. <laughs> So you know you gotta move on at some point. Uh, no, but oh god, what the hell was I gonna say? So I don't know, Brittany, if you're too young for this. I'm assuming oh, Dan thanks. knows what I'm talking about. But do you remember that back in the day you had to watch Titanic on two VHS tapes? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not, not do you? I do You're young. That.
0: You're a child. <laughs>
1: I've told the story a million times about when um, we were poorer growing up and uh, having to have a huge yard sale to afford a a VCR, and then when we bought it, Dad accidentally dropped it on the way into the door, and so we had to have a second yard sale to afford another VCR.
0: Way to (laughs) go, Dad.
1: (laughs) Thanks, 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 Rod.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But... Brittany, I love the start here because I think, as Dan even pointed out, it's a little silly. Um, You have this great big movie, and it's, you know, a lot. Um, It's talking about one of the greatest tragedies in, say, modern history. And for you to kind of end it the way you did, which is like the old lady just tossing the diamond in there and the whole argument with the door with Leo and stuff, I I – I think it's a nice softball into this list, but, um, Dan, I'm going to move on to you for the number nine. And also just to let you know, again, I should have probably told you a few things before this podcast, and I apologize. Um, even though it's the top ten, we tr- we do try to go in order, but we don't really go in order. We kind of <laughs> know that it's a it's a shifting uh, list, you know, because sometimes Brittany and I will be like, yeah, I know that this one thing should probably be higher, but I want to get it before the other person probably puts it on the list. Uh, so, um, good, good call. Yeah.
2: Good yeah, call.
0: but number nine is all yours.
2: Okay, so, yeah, this this is a perfect example of what you were just talking about because I feel as if, um, I don't say it now, it, it, it'll be, or it might be brought up later. And mm-hmm. this is a movie I really liked growing up and I still kind of enjoy it, but uh, I feel like it would be a tragedy to not have an M. Night Shyamalan movie on this list. So <laughs> I'm going to put... Number nine is Signs with uh, Mel Gibson, and I, re- I remember seeing this in the theater uh, as as a young man, and uh, I was really into it. I, I enjoyed how you're not seeing the aliens. You kind of have that uh, Spielberg Jaws type of feel, and then you see the alien, and you're like, all right, it's a typical alien, and, and the, uh, the jump scare was pretty good for uh, how old I was at the time, and... I was wondering – it's building to this climax and then obviously it turns out that the weakness is water and it's the weirdest weakness ever in a movie I think. And you – the argument is always brought up that why would you invade a planet that is made up of 70 percent of your weakness? You you literally – you can't go anywhere. You're going to hit a body of water soon and it was just such a letdown and i even as a kid i remember thinking well that's kind of dumb why would they do that but uh yeah it, it, with with the movie i'm a I, this might sound uh polarizing but i i like mel gibson as an actor he's one of my favorite actors um so i was very on board with this movie and then he, he i think he did a good job and they play the whole faith thing things happen for a reason and fate but uh yeah i think m night Shyamalan kind of got a little bit too big for his britches in this movie and like oh the twist is that uh water is their weakness and I'm like ah, eh, well that's that's dumb then why would you invade this planet
0: that's a good point, um,
1: cause if they're advanced enough to actually be able to invade a planet, they should be smart enough to realize that. Oh, so yeah. That's a really good point.
2: <laughs> yeah, they, they have cloaking technology. In the movie, they have cloaking technology. There's Their spacecrafts are hovering, and they show birds flying into the uh, the spacecraft, and then they just reappear. So clearly you're oh, advanced no. enough to hide yourself. But you would think that yeah you're like okay yeah we're here they don't know we're here yet listen captain we have or whatever the alien equivalent of captain is uh, there's water everywhere here man we gotta we gotta turn yeah back. that's
1: not good. you know it's funny uh, really quick about the the Mel Gibson part uh, Tia has had a, a Twitter interaction over the Mel Gibson thing uh
2: oh
0: I. I keep, like, getting hate on uh, social media for, like, the first, you know, I'm getting all these hateful messages because of, you know, my opinion on Hawkeye. And God. then I, so, <laughs> so the thing about Mel Gibson, right, is, like, listen, I'm neither here nor there with the whole thing with it is, like, I, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of his stuff. And I'm in no way even have an opinion on him or anything like that. But what you recall, said, um there's a new movie coming out right called boss level it's him and frank grillo oh and yes and you got and you gotta know one thing about me dan i fucking love frank grillo like yes, i good. don't care that he, i don't care that he plays pretty much the same character in everything that he's in he's badass he's always you know he's a bad guy he's a badass, <laughs> bad guy <laughs> but you know so I saw the trailer for this movie, Boss Level, and I did a Tea Time with Tia, you know, talking about it. And I, like, primarily talked about Frank Grillo for probably nine minutes of the ten minutes that I did. And I simply mentioned Mel Gibson once. So when Kanan posted on Twitter, it was like Tea Time with Tia talks about the, you know, Frank Grillo, Mel Gibson movie, Boss Level. This girl had, like, a conniption fit that we were – promoting for, uh, Mel Gibson, you know, and she unfollowed us as a result, you know, saying that we oh. were giving a platform. To <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, I can't, <laughs> I well, can't. So, yeah, that's it, my experience. <laughs> w-
2: with, with Mel Gibson, uh, I always like to uh separate the art from the artist. Uh right. There's a lot of artists out there that have done bad things, but I still... I enjoy what they put out, um, whether it's their music or their movies, uh, anything like that. So, yeah, what he, obviously what he did was very upsetting and was wrong, but I still enjoy watching his movies. Um, I actually I was watching what, The Professor and the Madman on Netflix. It's a pretty good movie, and it's you don't really see a lot of him. So anytime I get a chance to watch a movie of his, I'll you know I'll watch it. And he's not the same as he will you know he he's not Braveheart, uh, uh what is, not Naked Gun? Um, oh, what's the movie with Danny Glover?
0: Oh, uh, lethal lethal weapon. weapon
2: yes. So it, he's not at that point, obviously, but he's still a, a good actor. But uh, obviously, it's going to. Be very divisive um, when you enjoy someone like his work. So I, mean, I, I understand.
0: I feel like my biggest, um, you know, uh, understanding of Mel Gibson all comes from South Park. Like they they shat on him oh so much throughout the years, and that's like yeah. what I knew. Of. I, I don't really feel like I've seen a lot with Mel Gibson. You know, just because maybe. Um, His sort of movies weren't my tastes. I mean, I think the last Mel Gibson production that I really watched was Hacksaw Ridge. And he wasn't even in it. He was just the director. Really good movie, by the way. Andrew Garfield does a fantastic job in that. Um, But, sorry, go ahead, Brittany.
1: I was just going to say, it is funny, like, you know, separating the art from the artist. It's kind of like with uh, John Lennon. There's still people that are like, oh, my God, he's the best thing. But it's like. He was a notorious woman beater and an absent father, and his son still, like, hates him, basically. And I'm like, okay, you know, that that's where it comes from with that. And that's kind of how I am with Tom Cruise. I hate Tom Cruise's association with Scientology, but you have to admit he's a really great actor. And I don't like to like him. I don't like to like him in things, but you can't say he doesn't put his full effort into it.
0: My biggest respect for Tom Cruise comes for the fact that, like, one day he will probably die doing his own stunt, even yeah. though everyone probably around him, like, begs him not to. Tom, you don't need to jump off that building without a parachute. It's all right. I'll do it. It's for the shot.
2: <laughs> and, you know, you know, I was so... just thinking, uh, Tia, mm-hmm. you and I have also, I, I guess you you tend to draw in a lot of criticism on Twitter because you and I have been a part of uh, some criticism with um, uh, what uh, sucker punch? Do you remember that?
0: Um, uh, I can't really remember that much because anytime Zack Snyder like is involved, I'm sure I get some criticism. Going oh yeah, my someone
2: way. <laughs> someone came after. It. They were basically saying it was a work of art, and we were kind of just telling him, "Well, <laughs> it, it kind of promotes like rape," so. It's not a great movie, and then it's uh, – you can't remember all of the female characters other than Baby. So it's not a good portrayal of strong female characters, and this guy wasn't having it. It's like it was beautifully shot. It's one of the best – it's like one of the most misunderstood Snyder films. So I, I think – you know what? That might have to show up on this list at one point. <laughs> Sucker punch. <laughs>
0: um, I was going to say really quick. Oh, my god. I was listening to your guys last They Call This a Movie, and now I can't remember what it was. Not the one you just came out with. What was the one before that?
2: Uh, So we just did Savage Beach, and then I think the one before that was Johnny Mnemonic.
0: Okay, yeah. It was the Johnny Mnemonic, and there was at some point that you were talking about, like, underrated films and people calling them masterpieces even though yes. they suck but there was one movie that you did mention on that list that i really liked and i can't remember and i was listening going i really liked that movie oh my I, god i, I forgot which
2: one. a lot a lot of the times it's like the amazing spider-man everyone on twitter is like oh you know oh, this is yeah. a masterpiece um you know obviously you have your batman v supermans dawn of justice that's an underrated classic, oh, you know, cry me a river, man. It's, sometimes movies are just not good movies, and that's yeah, okay. I
0: forget, I forget which one it was. It wasn't any of the ones you just mentioned now. There was yeah. one that I was like, no, I've liked that for a long time, but I understand <laughs> like what you meant, um, because my whole understanding always would say like the Amazing Spider-Mans was that they were kind of crap. And that's yeah. the reason why they never continue. And then suddenly all these people want to ask, act as if Andrew Garfield is God as yeah. Peter Parker. And I'm like, well, I wasn't seeing any of that when it came out. Right. So yeah, where I were you guys understood. when
2: this movie came out?
0: Yeah, so I definitely understood what you meant, but I'll i will I'll have to, like, re-listen it. There was one movie, I swear, that you mentioned, and I was like, man, I always fucking like that movie. But... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Going back to um, your choice for signs, I will admit that I've never seen this movie, um, just because I don't really find M Night Shyamalan's like work something that I actually like. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw Split, and I liked Split, but it always seems, from what I can hear, and um, Brittany's seen a few of his movies where. Don't you take my pick, girl. I'll fight you. No, no, you.
1: I'm not, I'm not <laughs> taking <laughs> a pick. I'm <laughs> just.
0: I'm just saying where it's like it always seems as if he kind of has like a letdown ending. I always hear these things about M. Night Shyamalan where it's like, oh, this movie didn't hit the mark. It's like every movie seems to like not hit the mark for him. Am I right or wrong in saying that?
2: A lot of them don't. Yeah, he he had sixth sense, which Mm. everyone loved. And then he kind of got full of himself. Where you're like, all right, well, everything's going to be a twist ending now instead of it just being a natural conclusion to the movie that he started. Um, I think Signs was kind of I, – I think Signs was the next movie that came out after Sixth Sense. And you could kind of tell, like, okay, maybe this guy's not the genius we pointed him out to be.
1: Mm. I think if he did a movie where he had no crazy twist at the end, that would be the best twist for him. I guess since he's so known for (laughs) it now, he's so known for it now that whenever I see his name tied to something, I'm already like, okay, what's the surprise ending? I'm already like searching for it. And normally you can guess it by the end because you're like, what's the most craziest ending you think of? Oh, this. But if he had no twist, you would just sit there and go, but what happened?
0: And Ooh, that, would, point. for me, would be ultimate. Brittany just wrote M. Night Shyamalan's next
2: feature film. <laughs> that was,
0: that was he the owes his
2: success to um, you now. I
1: know. Yeah, know. Exactly. I'm genius. Thank you for recognizing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, great pick, Dan. Um, I'm going to get number eight. And so full disclosure, this is a movie I haven't seen in a really long time and I think I only saw it once but I remember when I saw it, I was so disappointed by the ending of this movie. I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Um and it's City of Angels with Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. I don't know if either of you have mm. seen this movie, but just to I give you a quick know. backstory Okay, it's all about Nicolas Cage being an angel, like a literal angel, not like, oh, he's nice, a literal angel, and he falls in love with Meg Ryan, the human, and the whole movie is about this, like, you know, forbidden love because he's an angel and he's supposed to be emotionless and... But, you know, he's obviously falling for Meg Ryan, and it's this whole film about, like, the back and forth and questions of morality, humanity, you know, all this crazy shit. I mean, I'm not saying it's the most prolific frickin', you know, movie ever. It's certainly not. But, you know, it's this whole back and forth between them. And then, spoiler alert, at the very end, Nicolas Cage becomes human for Meg Ryan's character, right? And then she fucking dies. She she (laughs) dies. And they can never be together. And so then he's just left being a human and just realizing that, like, now he's just a human alone. And the whole reason why he became a human was for Meg Ryan. And she died. And so that's like the short end of it. There's no reason really to go too much into it. That's the gist of it. So yeah, I'm sorry, Brittany. I hear you like going, but so what do you I think? Didn't
1: mean to, I didn't mean the laugh so hard. I think it was because I was just like I was like listening and I was really deeply and I was just kind of like staring out the window and then I hear and then she died and I went no. Oh, that's funny though. I mean because. I think it makes me think of uh, in Hercules when Meg, like, sells her soul just for the dude to run off with, like, another woman, like, and I don't know why I did that. I don't know why that's so funny. That should be tragic, but it almost was just, like, so, like, out there. I was like. I can see it. I think it's because I also imagine Nicolas Cage just sitting there like, well, what the hell do I do now?
0: Oh, It's like the fact that people haven't memed the ending of Nicolas Cage just, like, looking out into the ocean is just, like, so underrated and such, like, wasted potential of memeness. But, yeah, it's like, okay, imagine at the end of Hercules, Hercules decides to become human for Meg. And then she dies of like a heart attack, and it's like, ah, oh, well, fuck. So oh, that's I... that. <laughs> um, Dan, have you seen City of Angels? Do you, you know, I feel like you're a Nicolas Cage connoisseur at this point.
2: I have seen City of Angels, and it's bad. Uh, <laughs> I saw that when I was a kid. Um, my so we used to have just real quick. We used to have like. Uh, our neighbors would come over for like a movie night once a week. And we, I mean, we had watched some really good movies with them. Like we had watched Gladiator. We had watched Saving Private Ryan. And then we watched City of Angels. And it was, I just remember thinking, I was like, I don't like, why did he do that, dad? Why, why did he give up his life? He was like, well, you're kind of young now, but basically he's just, he loved her so much that he wanted to be with her. I was like, oh, well that didn't work out for him. Like, yeah, just kind of like a chancy take. Well, I was like, that was kind of dumb. And I think what adds to it, I, I believe this is based off of a another story, like an older story. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But adding Nick Cage to something, like you can't get subtlety in a movie with Nick Cage. So I, I guess this was still around the time when he was considered a serious actor, right? Because this was... What was this? This was early 90s, this movie came out, right? Like, 94, maybe? I don't know Yeah,
0: exactly. I wanna, I'll look it up. I want to say that it was definitely a 90s, because, I mean, that's kind of when Meg Ryan also was the go-to for films. I mean, you really don't see that anymore, and you haven't probably in the past, like, 10 to 15 years.
2: Yeah, so, uh, th- this was 98 this came out. Okay, okay. so, yeah, I, I only saw it that one time. And I hated it so much I swore I'd never see it again because it was – but it did come out with uh, Iris, I think, from uh, Goo Goo Dolls, and that was a banger. So, one that
1: was a banger. This, yeah, that's,
2: that they still play that. They still play that on the radio. Uh, so oh. I can't hate on this movie too much.
0: Um, Back when I was in college, I used to work at a bakery and – yada yada and there was my coworker Claire who's still a very good friend of mine to this day and for some reason during college I went through like a Nicolas Cage kick. I just liked his movies no, and I was okay just either. watching everything. No and then but so I liked him as an actor and then one day Claire and I were sitting there talking about whatever and the subject of nicholas cage came up and she's like i hate nicholas cage i hate him with everything of my being and oh, i swear no. for, and i swear for like a solid month every day on facebook i would just post a picture of nicholas cage to her facebook for no um, reason like why i had way too much time on my hands where i was like here's your daily picture of nicholas cage there you go um so i, I this Movie was probably during that time where I went through my Nicolas Cage kick, but um, yeah, it was pretty bad. Like again, the movie itself was not good, but that at least if it had where he became human and they you know lived together, it's like okay, well the you know it has a payoff that this whole movie has been leading up to, but instead there's no payoff in this extremely shitty movie. And it's, it was just ridiculous. It was just ridiculous.
2: Yeah. Um, it's very over-dramatized. With how,
0: it kind of felt like a soap opera, honestly.
2: Yes. It was pretty funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go, Brittany. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. So, you know, I guess if you want to watch a really bad Nicolas Cage movie, there's a lot, but especially this one. Um, I think this movie may have destroyed uh, Meg Ryan's career. You never know.
2: It didn't, um, I don't think it recovered after, that's for sure. <laughs> it could not
0: recover. Um, but, yeah, so City of Angels is my number eight. Brittany, let's move on to number seven. What do you got for us?
1: What I was going to say earlier, though, really quick on the last subject, was just that I felt like uh, they kept going through uh, – a. A phase of just like do you not feel like with Constantine, and there was like this almost era where people wanted to do the gritty like male angel with the humans and that kind of interaction during that time.
0: um I don't think I watched enough to know, but i i I believe you just because of how, like, say, popular Constantine was, and whenever something's popular in Hollywood, they always try to make so many carbon copies of it.
1: I was just sitting there, I was like, I don't know what it made me think of, it. like, uh, very, like, the vibe of, like, um, uh, Castiel from Supernatural kind of vibe I was getting when you were describing that and then the other. But as for my pick, um, I'm going to go ahead and get this one out here so I can get to hate over with. I hate the ending of Batman versus Superman. I hated yeah. the end <laughs> You mean you hate the whole movie? <laughs> yeah, I hate the whole movie, but I especially hate the end because for me it's like ever I I assume like sometimes when people listen to this they're like, Oh, she hates DC and I don't I just dislike the movies that have come out for the universe of it because I get it. Like, on one hand, though, Superman couldn't really help the destruction of Man of Steel because he was f- fighting, uh, his name is Zod, right? Correct. Okay, i was making sure I got his name right. It's like he's fighting Zod, and he's trying to, like, prevent all this stuff, and he can't really help it, so he's not really to blame about it. And you could go, well, you know, his race, you know, they came in, and, you know, that's where he's from, yada, yada. But he's trying to, like, save everyone. But they're kind of throwing him around like crazy because it's just, like, versions of him running around. And, and, you know, I actually appreciate it. A lot of people have issues with the the end of Man of Steel because he kills Zod. But I felt like it was almost like he had to, you know, I, and I get it. He's very supposed to be like non-murderous and I don't think he was murderous then. But, you know, Batman's all like, look at this monster. You know, I'm going to bring him down with the destruction he caused. But I felt like Batman would have been smart enough to go, yeah, not really his fault. The people at fault are all kind of gone. And I know they're like, well, he should be held accountable. And I'm like. Well, should Batman be accountable for all the limbs he's broken on these criminals? Then, like, but I guess it's just like you have the entire setup, and I guess for me, I sat there through the end. And I was like, okay, you have Batman being very vengeful, you know, being very like. I felt like it was a little uncharacteristic for him. And but my thing is, is that you go through all of this, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to imagine this is a different kind of Batman, different kind of Superman. And you have the culmination of freaking Batman hearing, and he's like, why are you saying that name? And I'm like, you're telling me all this, like, death and destruction of the first movie, and the one thing that makes you come back from your senses, come back from being painful, is he's like, Martha. And it's like, why is he saying that? It's his mother's name! And he's like, that's my mom's name. I just think it's, like, the most, like, convoluted thing, where I'm just like, I just, I can't get on board with the movies, because I feel like they're so... (sighs) I guess it's like when I was younger, I always thought of Marvel as like the campy, goofy kind of movies because, you know, you have Fantastic Four and the other bad movies that came out before like the golden age of Marvel. And then like for me, it's just like and everybody praises these movies and I don't understand it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because everybody's like, oh, these are the best movies I've ever seen. I'm like, I fell asleep during Justice League. Like, me, Tia knows. She came to Arkansas, and she put it on, and she was like, Brittany, it's bad. And I'm like, I'm going to be open-minded, because I love awful movies. <laughs> and I looked at it, and I was just like, I don't know, I woke up, and Tia was basically like, I told you. I told you. Like, I felt like it was like a stress sleep when you're, like, trying to get through a bad event. And you're like, well, if I sleep, it gets over <laughs> faster. So just for the bad ending of that, like, you know, and then he, like <sighs> – I guess I felt like the whole movie was bad, but I felt like it could be forgivable. But then you have Martha happening, where he's, like, basically dying, just screaming his mom's name, and Batman, like, that's
0: my mom's name. I just, I don't know. I'm repeating myself, but it's just, it's just bad. Um, really quick, Dan, I actually remember the movie that I've liked since it's come out that you mentioned on your um, podcast. I have always liked the 2016 version of Suicide Squad. And I'm okay oh, with... Oh, yes. I'm okay with, <laughs> you know, being in the minority there. I understand that it has a shit ton of problems. Like, totally get it. Like, everything people say, are va- it's valid as hell. Um, I hated the Enchantress shit. Like, I totally get that. But it's like, I watch it and I can't help but like it. Um, So I can admit, it's not a great movie. I understand where people come from, but I just have always liked it. So I guess I'm a little better in the sense that I could admit that it's not a great movie and still like it. Whereas, like, I'm not saying it's a masterpiece. It is an Oscar winner, though. Just that saying. <laughs> yeah,
2: that awesome crocodile makeup and oh, uh, that was so bad. <laughs> and uh, clown makeup can't get that it's anywhere beautiful. else. Can't get it anywhere.
0: I, See, I that's think... a, I. I admit that that. That's terrible, and that's what I think I'm loving about what we're seeing so far from James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is that, like, King Shark is at least, like, massive looking. You know, in my mind, right, in my mind, Killer Croc, because I grew up on Batman the Animated Series, so a lot of, like, what I envision for these characters come from that, and Killer Croc is supposed to be, like, this really big, big, you know, person, not some skinny dude with scales so it's like again like i totally get where the criticism comes from and jared leto is kind of weird now that i've like (laughs) looked at things about him like at the time i didn't at the time i didn't know too much about him and now that i'm like i'm like oh he has a cult like super weird um Hmm. but what was i gonna say Britney, yes, Batman versus Superman. You know, again, Zack Snyder's masterpiece. So much that he needed another director's cut for that. <laughs> I hate that Did you movie. Bring
1: back everybody to uh, refilm his finished uh, film.
0: Oh and... yeah, you know the Justice League. The cut, the Snyder cut existed. He just Man, needs like third.
2: I hate that. It, I, it, <laughs> it, it, he needs $30
0: million to the, you know, There was
2: no it. such thing as a Snyder Cut. It was just what he had drawn out. None of it had been filmed. So essentially he was making a new film. But I can go on forever with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that just – but for Batman versus Superman, like, first of all, I hate the whole entire fucking movie. It was three hours of my life. I'll never get back. But my biggest gripe, on top of the Martha shit, on top of – i I've mentioned this before on other podcasts. I never liked the whole thing of, oh, God, he destroyed the city. It's like, yeah, but he was doing it to save the world. Like, you know the world would have been destroyed, right? Um, it's the same thing, like, where I never got the whole thing with Sokovia, where they're like, oh, my God, you destroyed Sokovia. I'm like, yeah, but Ultron wanted to destroy the world. The world yeah. would have been gone, you know, I mean. I think it's because uh, they technically made Ultron. No, and I get that. I'm just saying it's like that whole thing is the same thing with, like, Batman versus Superman, where I was like, Superman was just doing what he had to do. Sorry, a few buildings got knocked over. Like, the needs of the many, you know, outweigh the needs of the few, which I know sounds, like, fucked up, but I'm just saying. Um, but with the thing about Batman versus Superman, it's like, I hated that ending fight. It was so ugly looking. Yeah. Zack Snyder has this whole thing where it's like he has to have people, like, slow-mo like fly or jump and you know, it has to be like, you know, cameras got, angles gotta go in and out and, you know, all of a sudden they're like there and Wonder Woman shows up and Batman and Superman look at each other and they're like, Oh, I thought that she, you know, was with you and it's like, <laughs> I thought she was with you and it's like they look oh like you Oh my God. You know? I hate that I hate Jesse Eisenberg. I, was I hated um Lex Luthor in this it was not Lex Luthor like i don't know what that was that Jesse Eisenberg was doing and that's another again like going back to what Dan was saying that's like another thing where people are suddenly saying like it was an underrated performance yes, you know i was
2: just going to say that <laughs> when are we going <laughs> to when are we going to have the discussion where Jesse Eisenberg was a top tier villain like never because that's not a true statement i,
0: I didn't and, know we didn't were crazy pills That's how I feel like just as Brittany said when I think of these movies it's as if I feel as everyone else is taking crazy pills because I'm looking at it in one sense and suddenly I'm looking online and people are talking about how like no one does it better than Zack Snyder everything was great the direction the vision you know and there was a lot of problems right with Wonder Woman 84 we talked about this but. I hate when people are saying that the reason why Wonder Woman '84 wasn't good was because Zack Snyder wasn't involved. I'm like, no, that that was not the reason at all. Please keep your man away. I saw this one article where Zack Snyder's like, "What Marvel film I'd like to direct?" and it's like, you stay away. You stay away. <laughs> <went. laughs> Marvel, touch <laughs> don't touch it. But um. Dan, I know you just said that you've talked at length about Batman versus Superman, but what do you think about that ending? <laughs>
2: uh, I I didn't like it, yeah. Um, essentially, the, the part that I didn't like about Batman v Superman was it didn't feel earned. Uh, the depth of Superman didn't feel earned in two movies. Uh, he spends the whole first movie and second movie lamenting about how he's misunderstood, He doesn't know if he should be there. He doesn't want to be a hero. Everyone hates him. But then they show him saving people. And him being clouded as a savior. And. It just. It didn't feel as if he had earned that death. And especially knowing. He's going to come back. You knew they were going to make a third movie. So I was like well okay. Well yeah it's cool. You had him fighting. A doomsday lookalike. But and it's comic accurate but it just it was so muddled and it was a very ugly scene it was so dark you could barely see what was going on uh doomsday looked terrible uh and and throwing wonder woman in there was really just rushed and it again that didn't feel earned um yeah it, it was just a sloppy movie and like tia said that's that's why he needed a director's cut um i don't know it it just it didn't seem. It, it I know it was supposed to be his vision of it, but it was it was just a bad vision.
0: It was a bad vision. Well, I was gonna say like I don't mind sometimes directors taking liberties, right? I can't think sure. of it off the top of my head, but there have been times with these comic book movies and adaptations where, say, liberties are being taken and if it works then it freaking works right Um there's nothing wrong with that if you want to do an adaptation I mean no one essentially wants a carbon copy of things but when your vision isn't good then you know it has you sitting there going well shit why couldn't you just be more faithful to the source material but yeah I didn't like that first of all I, I don't know most of these movies I don't like and uh, I'm I'm trying to think, like, if I actually am going to watch this the quote-unquote Snyder Cut that comes out on HBO Max because it's like I don't want to be out of the conversation. But then I don't know if I also want to deal with four hours yeah. worth of this fucking shit. That, um, that just seems like a, a no
2: big place. commitment.
0: It's four hours because it's going to be one hour, four episodes type thing. But then, you know, once it gets released, then you can watch it in – it's four hours. It's like, what the fuck? Like, what do they think this is? Lord of the Rings? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, i the same movie that other
1: people were.
0: I – I'm glad that we're not seeing the same movie that other people are. You know, It's like, I'll watch my good movies. Like the only things right now with the DC EU that make me excited is James Gunn's suicide squad. And I hope it's good because I had so much faith for Wonder Woman 84, like so much faith for it. And it let me down. And I'm like, James Gunn, don't let us down. I know you don't normally, but don't now that you're with Warner Brothers. So hopefully it's good. But um let's move on, Dan, what's your number six on our list? All
2: right, number six. Uh this now I know you guys joke around Brittany is younger, like she's a child. So i I wonder if she has seen this movie. Uh, oh no. I'm sure she has. I'm sure she I just not... like
0: messing with her. She's
2: twenty six, you know only she's cute. still in her
0: twenties. Yeah,
2: she's a kid you're you're basically you're basically a child it's it's okay i'm kidding um uh, us old folk over here in our 30s um so this movie it's a remake it's the planet of the apes remake with mark Wahlberg, not the good matt reeves remake um have you seen it
1: well i remember when i saw it um like uh, it, You said the 2001 version, right?
2: Yeah, with Mark Wahlberg.
1: I remember it because my parents were so mad because there was a dude using a laser pointer on the screen to be an annoying dickhead. <laughs> and, and that's all I remember.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best part of the movie, too, because uh, that movie sucked. Um, yeah, I I saw that with a buddy of mine, and obviously everyone knows the original Charles Heston version where he's trying to get back to earth and it turns out he's been on earth this entire time it had just been destroyed but in the Mark Wahlberg version uh he is saved by a monkey in a spaceship who everyone thinks is god he then uses that spaceship to go back to his timeline quote unquote and he he crash lands in front of the Lincoln Memorial and Lincoln is a giant ape. <laughs> it's, it's Ape Lincoln. Um, oh,
1: it's Ape. Oh, no. Ape Lincoln. Ape Lincoln. No.
2: Yeah. And it's such a weird, weird visual. Like, why would they have a version of Abe Lincoln as an ape? Why would that – why would history have gone the same course just because – and, I like, you just – you, you change it with apes. So there was an ape civil war and there yeah, was. That
1: is, a, that is a very good point that uh that I didn't think about. That's true.
2: Right. So was there an ape revolution against the ape British Empire? Uh, was there an ape Christopher Columbus who, you know, sailed the ocean blue? It's just why would that have continued? And it it's just a bad I get what they were going for. It's like essentially he – he was uh, in that timeline forever, but it was just – it was very jarring, and it, di- it didn't land. And I wh- – that was a Tim Burton movie if I'm not mistaken, um, which kind of makes sense because Tim Burton's a crazy guy. And it's – yeah, it was just it, – it didn't have the same impact as the original Planet of the Apes with the, the Statue of Liberty and the ocean destroyed. Charlton Heston, you – blew it up you maniacs it didn't have that you i mean you had monkeys in cop uniforms it looks so dumb
0: it's just very awkward
2: yeah it, it just it didn't have the impact they were going for
0: so i haven't actually seen this movie i apologize for that so i'm the one who actually has not seen it but hot take here um i don't really enjoy Mark Wahlberg movies. They're few yeah. and far in between.
2: Yeah, they they are very hit or miss.
0: Like, I like The Fighter, but I think I only really like The Fighter because of Christian Bale's portrayal, not necessarily because Mark Wahlberg. Or, yeah, pretty much that. But, um, Brittany, you said that you did see it, but the only thing that you... What'd you say? My Transformers. Well, I
1: thought it
0: I forgot that Mark Wahlberg was in Transformers. Remember when we were talking about it? I thought it was John Cena because in my head I, like, confused the two of them together because I think that you can kind of put John Cena in things that you would normally put Mark Wahlberg in. And it might be a better movie. Not that I'm saying that John Cena is the best actor, him. but I think he's just better. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say you can't see him? Oh my god, I can't with you. Um, but Brittany, you said that you had seen uh, Planet of the Apes at Mark Wahlberg. What are you thinking about that ending, or do you remember it at all? <laughs> the things that I remember about oh, the movie... before... Sorry, Brittany, before I let you go, um, Dan just messaged me that he has to skedoodle out of here. Um, Dan, know. before yeah. you...
2: Before you
0: go, no, it's been super fun having you, and thank you. I'm sorry that we had all those issues before, but before you hop off and go do husband things, yes. why don't you promote yourself, let everyone know um, where they can find you and what you got going on?
2: Sure. Uh, I'm very boring, so I, I wouldn't promote myself necessarily because I all my takes are dumb, uh, but – my friends are very talented and i'm a part of that group so i'll I'll promote them they're better than i am Uh, so so, uh i am a part of the main damey uh it's at the main damey on twitter and instagram and we have a, a few podcasts we have they call this a movie uh that airs every thursday um we also have the before-mentioned Stranger Damies that airs every Wednesday. You can follow us at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram. And also, my wife and uh, my friends are a part of the Game Vault podcast. You can follow them at Game Vault Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And they, they stream games. Uh, I know, Brittany, you're an avid streamer. I, I tune into your streams. Uh, oh, Tia, you? yeah, you do a phenomenal job. Uh, I... I love your. I, I love the games that you play. It's it's not just your normal everyday streaming games. So I I appreciate that as a as a viewer. And uh, Tia, thank Tia's you for joining in.
1: Person, Tia, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I, I'm sorry, Tia. I didn't mean to dethrone you. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, Tia, thank you so much because Tia jumps into uh, my wife's stream. Uh, and supports her and we really appreciate that. My wife loves you Tia. She's always happy when you jump on. Um, so you you ladies are fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I really appreciated it. This is a lot of fun and I, I do hope I can do this again at like a later time in the day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, next time we decide to do it later, I'll let you know. But, Dan, thank you for joining. Tell Mark and, and Jen that I said hi, and have a great rest of your Sunday.
2: Thank you, guys. Take care.
0: Thank Bye, Dan. You. Bye. Um, but, Brittany, did you want to um, give your thoughts on Planet of the Apes, which I did not see? Um, I did not see this one with Mark Wahlberg.
1: What I remember is I remember at least that there was one part in it where uh, that, like, the apes would buy, like, humans because they treated them like pets. And I remember, like, there was, like, I think this is still the same movie because there was, like, I can't remember if there was another one after that, but if I remember the way it was, I remember, like, like this, uh, ape is like a little girl, and it's like, Oh, mommy, mommy, I want that one. And like pointing to like a human child to be like taken away from her parents. And I remember that freaked me out as a small child watching it because you gotta remember if it's 2001, I was like, uh, seven years old, so I was that like, was, yeah. <laughs> and
0: now, thinking
1: back, what he did say, it's like, Oh, you had uh, Ape Lincoln, uh, that does. A- give you a good point where they're like there's like cop apes and you're sitting there and you're like okay you know i get it like it's to show that history has changed but that does open up the point that it's like why was abe lincoln so important and you have all these reasons and you go well did all those reasons happen in the world and they're like that doesn't make sense
0: like was there an ape Shakespeare? Was there an ape Picasso? Like, I have so many um, questions. I feel
1: like too. It's like, you know, a lot of our recent, you know, and I was trying to make, like, a commentary about, like, you know, apes are so intelligent and we keep them in cages. But the thing is, is, though, if I feel like if we hit the point where we were hearing them talk, Yeah, we would treat them a lot better. You know, I think we should treat them better anyways. But, you know, I feel like we would have more like empathy from people. But it's like you have the apes that are like, oh, the humans, you know, and the humans are fully capable of speech. You know what I mean? Like they're Mm -hmm. still able to talk and feel and like really express their feelings on things. So that's why it confuses me whenever they do that. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I guess like it was just all very confusing. It
0: sounds confusing, and I will say that like like Planet of the Apes has never been something that I necessarily was into, you know, like I know what Dan is talking about with the original you know the um you blew it up, you damn dirty apes, you know, and it's like I know that the I know the original, I believe, probably is on, like, AFI's uh, top 100, you know, classic movies of all time. Um, But I don't remember having seen the original. I don't remember having seen the Matt Reeves ones, which everyone, like, really loves, just because it it was never my thing, you know? But I I would imagine those either. But I would imagine if you are someone who like loves the whole concept of Planet of the Apes that you would be very disappointed by this Mark Wahlberg one, which again it has Mark Wahlberg, so it's probably your sign there. But um yeah. so I know Dan isn't on anymore, but thank you, Dan. Um yeah. it was great having it was great having him on and I think he did some really great picks. So let's move on to number five. I am going to I was looking at my list, right? Because I was like, ah, what do I want to put? And I'm going to put a movie that, in general, I like, but I really dislike the ending. And it's Thumper. Remember Thumper, the one with um, Pablo Schreiber, where he plays Wyatt, the, you know, crazy, like, meth-dealing dude?
1: (laughs) So I'm really curious to know what happens. Oh, you never saw the end. I never saw the end. I never knew what happened in the end.
0: Well, spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> but, you know. Worry. I've had enough time to have watched it.
0: <laughs> so Thumper um, is a movie that I'm sure not a lot of people have seen. But for me, the reason why Thumper stands out so much is that it was the first movie that I had seen Pablo Schreiber in that he wasn't playing Porn Stash, you know? Um, because at the time, watching Orange is the New Black, um, You know, Pablo Schreiber was just the goofy porn stash who hated him, and you're like, this guy is so fucking gross, you know, blah, 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 right? And so, you know, when you have someone who plays a role like like that, you don't really think that they have the capacity, which is probably wrong on my part, you know, to guess like that. But at the time, I think to myself, well, this guy doesn't have the capacity to give um you know any sort of say serious performance which i was dead wrong pablo schreiber is a great freaking actor and is very versatile we had him on our list of top 10 most versatile actors so believe me my tune has certainly changed since then but when i um went on netflix a few years ago and i saw that this movie thumper was on and it said pablo schreiber and i was like oh that looks familiar and it was like oh my god that's the guy from porn stash he looks totally different so i turned it on and like he was some dangerous mother effer you know he plays this guy who's like a meth making dealing sort of dude who is in the military and he clearly has some anger problems he's very dangerous um And the whole thing in the movie is that you have this girl who at first you think that she's like just a normal teenager who is hanging around these group of friends who kind of are under the thumb of Pablo Schreiber's character, Wyatt. And in reality, you find out that she actually is an FBI agent who is there to kind of, you know, see the drug ring so that they could eventually take it down. Well, there's a, throughout the movie, there's a confrontation where it's, uh, the truth is found out, you know, Wyatt finds it out, they all find out that who she actually is. So you have this, what should have been the proper ending, as I say, is the big confrontation between um, Wyatt and the girl, and he is killed, Wyatt's, you know, Pablo Schreiber's character, and you think that, The end of that should kind of just be wrapping that up. But after that, there's like a solid 10 minutes of her and her life. Where it's like she's an absentee mother, she clearly has some issues with her ex, you know, who's the baby's father, who what? is the primary caregiver of the child, and it's her doing paperwork at the FBI, her, you know, talking to her FBI superior as how, you know, her thing, this recent um, sting has, you know, shook her up and all that, and it's just it extends for way too long than it needed to be you're sitting there wanting it to freaking end and you're like why is it dawdling so much and it feels as if they didn't know how to end it and it just kept going where it's like the proper ending was you end at Wyatt getting you know killed you wrap that up within a minute or so and that's how it that ends you know
1: right? what would
0: you say like you didn't need her life story no, because, you know, throughout the – and maybe they are trying to show that, like, this person you're following has problems of her own. Again, she's, like, a absentee mother and blah, blah, blah. And it's like – but you didn't need to see that. It made no sense in correlation to the actual movie. So I dislike the ending because it went on for just way too long. It was kind of like – and I don't know if this is on your list, so apologies if it is. We don't have to go through it too much, but – um, the last Lord of the Rings movie had like five different endings, where it was like, "Holy shit, you don't know when to end, do you?" Like every time the screen faded to black, you were like, "And that's the end of the movie." Roll credits, and it was like, "Oh my god, there's another scene." What the fuck? <laughs> um, he so you had know, party going, Tia. You? what did you say? You had to keep the party going, apparently. But yeah, so. Um, I very much dislike the ending of Thumper and I wish it was different and I wish it knew how to end. Besides that, I think the movie's pretty good. It's your, um, you know, I don't want to say it's like your run of the mill, say, uh, drug movie, but you know, it kind of is, there's nothing really sort of special or spectacular about other than the fact that I think that Pablo Schreiber did a really good job and just, playing this really unnerving person who you would probably feel really uncomfortable and uneasy around. And it came out during a perfect time where people were probably just so used to seeing him as porn stash. And if you want to get away from that and see that he actually knows how to act, then Thumper is a really good example of that.
1: It's almost a, he's almost more unnerving because you get used to like, for me, uh, porn stats was kind of like okay he's bad but you know he wheedled off and you just kind of realized how pathetic he was right
0: right like- it took his power away from him yeah i don't
1: know that's scary though i can definitely <laughs> see why it's a bad ending though because i'm like yeah, it went on too long which is actually gonna like in a minute you've inspired me of a bad ending
0: yes <laughs> i love that i love a good inspiration but um yeah so thumper is my number five um britney we can move on to number th- four what your bad ending was i'm running
1: with the resident
0: because you've inspired. oh me. gosh <laughs> yes
1: way too
0: long
1: um so me and t have talked about this movie a few times but the resident is about um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Basically a doctor who went through a bad breakup. She's looking for a new place to live, finds a perfect place that just seems too good to be true, which it is. Turns out uh, the landlord who it seems very kind, he's given her a killing. I think it was like 1800 a month. And she thought it was like 18,000 a month. And, I think that's like barely more than you pay in rent for like this freaking just ginormous like apartment with like a full bathroom, full living room, full kitchen, full bedroom. Like just massive apartment, right? And it's in the middle of New York City and it's eighteen hundred a month. That was probably the most unbelievable part of the movie. I feel like Tia can agree on that. But uh so you go through that, and um am trying to think of the word for it. it. It's like it turns out that Max is like a stalker. He's been obsessed with her. He convinces her to move there. That's why the rent is so cheap. Uh, and the movie ends with, like, her realizing, hey, you know, he's been doing stuff to me while I'm sleeping because he's been drugging her every night. And it culminates into him assaulting her and her not knowing it until she looks back at her cameras that she had put in her apartment without uh, Max knowing. And so she ends up seeing and Max and her have this face off. But it becomes almost comical. Because the fight scene goes on forever. Like, the struggle, like, like she hurts his leg, uh, she hurts him again, oh, he's still coming, uh, another conflict, you're like, and you're starting to go, how fucking big is this apartment? And, like, the entire time, the entire time you're like, okay, uh, like, I don't even know how to quite describe how long it goes on, but you're just kind of like, okay, can she, like beat him yet like because he like comes back from the quote unquote dead like three times like in the conflict
0: um i was trying to look up to see on the wikipedia if it said how much the rent was and it doesn't unfortunately but i think it was something along the lines of he was chart he was going to ask say something like three thousand dollars a month right which i know to you sounds super expensive but for that apartment specifically easily could be seven thousand ten thousand dollars a month you know um
1: (laughs) he had completely fixed it back up like it was like it was brand new like new fixtures and everything yeah
0: and like to give someone uh an idea i mean it was pretty much it wasn't say the penthouse but it was like massive you know i mean super massive and the whole thing was like at first she thought it was like thirty thousand dollars a month and he was like no it's three thousand which again super freaking cheap for that apartment i mean the amount of bedrooms the fact that it had a wine cellar and it, it literally had a wine room in it it had a wine room in it. it had like a classic bathroom you know sorry go ahead no i was saying like the
1: bathroom was the size of my bathroom
0: like, yeah like,
1: in a full ass house
0: Yeah, just, like, a super massive apartment. So it's, like, first of all, that should have raised, like, so many red flags. Like, I know it was near the train station, so he's, like, oh, you know, you hear that a lot, you know, blah, blah. Not for nothing, apartments are even more expensive near train stations because it's your transportation. You're paying for the luxury of being able to, you know, take easy transportation, not having to say – find a way to the train. So that, even though it's like, oh my God, that would be so annoying. You're hearing it all the time. That really wouldn't factor. Like landlords don't give a shit. Cause they're like, oh, you know, this is your, especially in New York city. You're like, this is your main transportation hub. So this is convenient for you. So a, that's super wrong. Um, and the movie, itself like the movie itself isn't bad. Right. Um, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a tense thriller. It takes the idea of stalking to a really creepy level. Um, Hilary Swank and Jeffrey Dean Morgan play well off of each other. Lee Pace is in it, for those who, you know, yeah, are...
1: God, that's hilarious.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, he isn't in it a lot, and, I mean, it's not like his character really shows too much personality <laughs> just because he's... What would you say? He gets dead yeah, he gets dead this, you know, at some point. But so, OK, whatever. You have this whole movie and just as Brittany was saying, I'm just echoing what she's saying. You know, you have this whole movie about this stalker pretty much who, you know, was just so enamored by her that he literally concocted this crazy plan to get her to move into the building that he maintains, you know, and literally just watching her through the crevices of the film. And it's like, again, good thriller. But that fucking ending, like, I go back and rewatch it, Brittany, and I'm like, holy shit, that's right. This just it's keeps mad. going. It just keeps going. It could have been cut in half, right? I'm not saying don't have an epic fight scene because, you know, he was a weird, creepy stalker, and for her to finally, you know, get away from that is like, great but the fact that it just went on and, on and 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 it just it felt as if there was no end in sight so i completely agree with you that that was just so. and i think again it's as if the resident falls into that category of just people not knowing how to end a movie they're like shit i don't know what to do for an ending i don't know either let's just keep going
1: I feel like that movie would be great for the, the, they call this a movie. Like, I feel like that would be great for, like, oh, what the fuck is this?
0: Right? We should definitely suggest it. They should definitely go over it. Because I feel as if you can definitely point out things throughout the movie. It's not just the ending, which, again, you know, just the same thing with Suicide Squad, right? I liked it, but I can point out its flaws. So I feel that's how it is with The Resident. I like it. But it certainly has its flaws. You could tell it's a little bit of a low-budget film.
1: I know. It's like, you know, when people are like, uh, like celebrities will do pro bono work for, like, indie films. Yeah.
0: I felt like, that was how, the, how it was. Yeah, you kind of have because, I mean, all, like, I don't know how popular Lee Pace was at that point. So this could have definitely been... One of his, you know, starting movies, um, all actors do that when they're getting their feet wet. But at that point, Hilary Swank and Jeffrey D. Morgan were certainly known actors. So the fact that the both of the and Christopher Lee was in it, he played the grandpa. Again, a really, like, well-known, prestigious actor who you would think that all three of them wouldn't necessarily have done a movie like this unless it was, as you said, a pro bono sort of work.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. I want to look more into that. It also makes me want to watch the movie again.
0: <laughs> it's on Hulu. It's, it's on Hulu. I got to look it up. I'm going to look it up for you. We got time. <laughs> this, <laughs> Thank this you. Is why, this is why people tune into our podcast to listen to – oh, yeah, it is on Hulu. I was right. It keeps oh. jumping because cause I feel like it was on – Amazon Prime at some point and now it's on Hulu so it keeps jumping around.
1: I feel like I either bought it or I've just rented it like enough times to like should have just bought it.
0: I think you bought it. I think it's in our family library. Brittany and I have a family library. (laughs) (laughs) Be jealous. (laughs) But um yeah. shares. (laughs) The Resident, definitely, um, that ending just went on for way too long. Um, I'm looking at my list. There are a lot. I came prepared this one, and I'm trying to think, like, how I want to do this. Oh, look at that. I did have Titanic on my list.
1: Oh, Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, look at that. I didn't even realize. Oh, God. I... I have a movie, right? I really want to put it on, but I feel like it would break your heart if I put it on.
1: Just do it. I've, uh, you've broken my heart plenty.
0: I'm sorry, Brittany. It's just the ending I disagree with. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so sorry. Me. I'm going to put Karate Kid down. I was waiting. Sorry for the dead air everyone, but I think I broke Brittany. <laughs> You're dead to me. You're dead to me. I can't Is is it because he kicks him to the head? No. My pro my problem at the ending is how abrupt it is. That's a, like, so we've been talking how Thumper and the Resident have two drawn out of an ending. But with the Karate Kid, it's like you have this whole movie that's leading up to the final fight between Daniel and Johnny – and they get there, and it's this big tense thing. You think Daniel's going to lose because he's injured, and then finally he does. You know this crazy kick right to the fucking face. I forget now. Like, did he knock him like right under the jaw? That had to have hurt so badly. Yeah, and he does now a he can... head
1: strike, which is technically illegal. That part is the most unbelievable part to me because I believe they even discuss at the beginning. I believe they even discussed at the beginning that the the head strikes are illegal.
0: So the fact that they give Daniel... So, again, that gives even more credence to what Johnny says in Cobra Kai, where he was like, he beat me with an illegal kick, which you would think that the people who are behind the tournament wouldn't have even given that to Daniel. But, you know, 80s movie logic. But, so, anyway... You have where he defeats Johnny, and everyone runs out celebrating, lifts Daniel up, and that's it. Then suddenly the fucking credits start rolling, and I was like, "Wait, what?
1: How do you how did Rocky end? How did Rocky end? Did it not end with them like all celebrating?
0: No, it ended with Rocky and oh no, that was in the second one. Sorry, I was gonna oh, say, and it was Rocky it and Apollo doing their. Huh?
1: How the uh, the first one end? What did (laughs) it end with? An abrupt? Like, oh my god, he did it!
0: Yeah, but then like Rocky had a speech about how much he loved Adrian. Like, at least like felt victorious. Like, literally, it was like Daniel kicked him to the face. Everyone ran out, and boom, black screen. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? Like, like, okay, I'm. You know how they started Karate Kid two. With Daniel and Mr. Miyagi, you know, going out to their car and seeing Kreese wanting to, like, kill Johnny and, you know, Mr. Miyagi beating the shit out of Kreese. Like, that's how they should have ended the first one. They should have ended the first one how they began the second one. That's how they should have ended it. I'm just saying, I know this is your favorite movie and I'm not trying to, like, throw it any shade. But that ending was so abrupt that, like, when Paulie and I watched it, we both looked at each other and were like, that's it? Like, that's it. That's it.
1: I need to rewatch. I haven't seen, actually, Karate Kid in so long. I need to remember if it actually is abrupt or if you're just a it's dirty so, liar.
0: Oh, it's so abrupt, Brittany, all right? I wouldn't lie for that. Like, it's so abrupt where it's. As if they just – and maybe, like, that's how things were done in the 80s. You could be perfectly right. I got to go back and rewatch the first Rocky because maybe that is how it ended as well. But I'm just saying that watching it now, it's the equivalent to – I know you never watched The Sopranos, and I didn't really watch it either, but I at least know the series finale was literally like they're in a diner and suddenly black screen. And it was the most abrupt ending where people were just like, what the fuck happened? And it's like, that's how I felt at the end of Karate Kid. Like, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand it at all. I don't. I don't. I don't. But yeah, so I'm sorry, Brittany. Did you have anything to say about that? (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Um. It's not I, that I don't, my
1: disappointment is immeasurable.
0: I'm sorry. I'm just saying that I wasn't gonna originally put it on the list. I had others, but it's I okay. was like,
1: I you. But I will never forget it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it doesn't compare to how they end the seasons for Cobra Kai. Like, if you, oh god, dude, you need okay, to watch. Uh, uh,
1: oh, I always like on a. Uh like a cliffhanger.
0: Oh god, I want you to like know how the third season ended so badly. It was so good. It was like, oh my god I was like this is oh I've been waiting for this.
1: <laughs> oh no. I feel like I do need to see it. And by the way, I tease you. Yeah, like I'm sure it is very abrupt. It's been a very long time since I since I've actually seen it.
0: Alright, I'm not gonna spoil the ending of season three, right, just in case you decide to, like, watch it. The only thing I will say is that at the end of season three, the song, um, you know, I've been waiting for this all my life, hold on, you know, like, that song plays, and you're like, I have been waiting for this. I
1: have been waiting.
0: Oh, my my
1: gosh! T.S.
0: God, it's so good. But Brittany is kind of like the Karate Kid connoisseur because I've only watched the first Karate Kid, and I only watched it after I watched the first two seasons of Cobra Kai. But I've never seen the second.
1: became a Johnny Sympathizer, so it's, like, huge point of view.
0: I do like Daniel a lot better in Season 3 than I did in Seasons 1 and 2. He became less of a dick, but... um. I was going to say, you know, the show does a really good job in explaining who these people are that they keep bringing back. But I would imagine that if you're, like, a really big fan of the Karate Kid franchise that you get really excited. Because in season three, they bring back, like, several characters from the second movie. And I think I said that it's really heavily implied that we're going to see Terry Silver who was the bad guy of Karate Kid Three? Which again, I've not seen, but I saw that I saw Tumblr explode after season three. They were like, "Holy fuck, Terry Silver's coming! That psychopath!" And
1: Silver, because like I have to relook because me and Dad would always watch through all of them. But I think when we would like marathon, that was a later one, and I would fall asleep in it.
0: Well, because. I don't know if you remember in the first... How far did you get in Cobra Kai, which is so funny. She suggested it to me, and now I'm further ahead than she is. Hey, don't you judge me, Ricky Bobby. Did you finish the first season? Yes. So do you remember in the first season of Cobra Kai when Johnny is trying to get Cobra Kai reinstated into the tournament because there was a lifetime ban? And the
1: Which I don't get, because I'm like, yeah, they technically did bad things, but why did he get banned? I can't remember. Why did it really get banned?
0: I think they got banned because of the events in the third movie with Terry Silver, because there's a line where they ask Johnny, the board says, what's your relation to Terry Silver? And he's like, I have no idea who that is. Because Johnny left Cobra Kai in the beginning of Karate Kid 2, and Terry Silver was in the third um movie. And I think the big thing was, from what I guesstimate, from what I can put together, because there's at some point even – either in the first or second season of Cobra Kai where Daniel says to Robbie or whomever he's he's freaking talking to that at some point he joined Cobra Kai. And you're like, when? That certainly didn't happen in the first two movies. And I think it yeah. happened in the third and I think it happened in the third movie because this guy Terry Silver pretty much lulled Daniel into like this false sense of like kindness when in reality it was all a ploy between Terry and John Kreese to get back at Daniel and to get back at Mr. Miyagi. So it's like whatever happened in the third Karate Kid was so bad that it like messed up Daniel and I think that attributes to why daniel hates cobra kai so much it's not even because of johnny and it's not even because of that whole thing i think it's because whatever happened in the third movie just traumatized him to no nobody's end and i think that that's why it got banned so i don't think it has anything really to do with the first two karate kids well now
1: i gotta watch the third again does it make you want to watch the third
0: A little, because I'm so curious, because I'm like, I feel as if a lot would be explained, because if you remember in the first season of Cobra Kai, Johnny was even confused why Cobra Kai was banned, and you're sitting there going, like, just as you said, yeah, they did some, like, you know, bad tactics, but nothing they did really seemed worthy of a ban, and then I think if you watch the third movie, it maybe explains that a little more, so I don't know, it kind of does inspire me to watch it.
1: I would laugh if they went back and were like, well, that move he used was illegal, and they, like, gave that match to, uh, like, to Johnny, and they (laughs) were like, okay, now we have to refight to, like, uh, establish who was the true winner.
0: Oh, my God, Brittany, you have to watch season three. It makes me want to shake you that you haven't seen it. Have you ever seen, like, an ending of a season where you're like, that was so good. I have no words for how good that was and that's everything I've ever wanted. Thank you to the creators of this show. Thank you for feeding us. You fed (laughs) us well. (laughs) (laughs) You fed us well. I can't get over it. Like the fact that you haven't seen I'm gonna keep going on about that. People are like, Tia, stop about this. And it's like I can't, I can't. I can't. It's so good. She can't Britney's a Karate Kid fan. She got me into Cobra Kai. She was the one who was like, Tia, you need to watch Cobra Kai. And now I'm, like, the number one fan.
1: I Silver. Like, I I remembered him when I looked him up, like, what his face looked like. But I don't remember. I need to ask my dad. Because my dad was the one, you know, that we would always watch it together. But I was so young when we would watch him all the time over and over again.
0: Well, from what I've seen, it's like he is kind of, like, the typical like, unhinged villain, but he's, like, John Kreese's bestie, and in the third season, it shows, like, they kind of show Kreese's background, and you kind of are introduced to Silver, um, so I don't know, it'd be interesting, because that's what the show seems to do, they seem to keep bringing people back from the movies to kind of, like, finish their stories in the show, but, yeah, um... Cobra Kai is fucking awesome as hell. Karate Kid? Ah. (laughs) I'm just saying. Hey, 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 listen here, girl. I'm just saying the the first movie's ending was pretty abrupt. I'm going to have to find it on YouTube so I can send it to you, and you could be like, that was pretty abrupt. And
1: then I'll never admit to it ever.
0: <laughs> no, she wouldn't. But, but Brittany, yeah. let's move on to number. Let's move on to number two, which is your number one. What do you got for us?
1: I'm torn between because both of these movies are in the same uh, universe, and so that's where it's a little difficult. Where I'm like, oh, which one do I want to do? Uh, I think I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go. Hard. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go, both of them are bad, but I'm going to go with Unbreakable. Have you seen Uh, Unbreakable as part of the Glass Universe?
0: I have not. The only thing that I've seen as part of the Glass Universe is the movie Split.
1: Basically, Unbreakable was the first movie, and this was and people are like, we're really pumped when you see the dude from Unbreakable, uh, freaking what's what's the actor's name? Is that um, Bruce
0: Willis or Samuel Jackson? Bruce
1: Willis. You see him at the end of Split, and people are like, oh my god, it's in the same universe, you know? And people freaked out because Unbreakable is it is a cult classic. Like it, people are obsessed with it. But my issue is, is that you do have, uh, Bruce Willis's character who it's kind of like, it's kind of odd because you kind of like, it's kind of like, how does this dude not realize that he's never been hurt? And that's his thing is he's realizing that he's never been hurt. He's never been sick. And the only time he can truly remember getting hurt is when, uh, he can't swim or like he'll drown, right? Water is his weakness. And, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character is, like, very, like, uh, you know, there's something special about you, and basically explaining, yes, we have these comic book heroes, but I see them more as, like, a retelling of the truth, like, that these people actually existed and actually had these powers, right, and Bruce Willis's, like son is so excited about his dad, he's like, oh my god, you're so strong, you know, like, you, you know, can anything hurt you? And, you know, he's realizing he starts lifting weights and it's kind of like his mind was the only thing holding him back because he starts lifting more and more weight because he's like, there's no way I can lift that. And he's kind of like, not submissive. He's kind of more meek. He's just lived his life. I think he's having like difficulties with his wife. They're going to like, I think they're divorcing and, so, uh, oh, where he's real. This is what it is. Sorry. What he's realizing is, like, I think he was about to go through a divorce. Uh, he gets into a crazy train accident right at the beginning, I believe. He gets into a train accident that kills everyone. I think it's, like, a few hundred people on there, right? And he's mm. the only one that gets out, and he's completely unharmed. And people are just, like, amazed. And I think that's where it starts to lead. But the thing is, is that you have all this lead up, all this lead up. But I remember when I was watching it with I looked at the time and I was like, uh, it's almost over. And we ha- haven't hit like a climax. Right. Mm. It felt like an origin story. Basically, at the end, Samuel Jackson, like, ends up admitting like he's caused all these horrific, like, catastrophes throughout uh the last few years, like, the train accident that, you know, Bruce Willis survived, he explains that he did it with a plane, I think it's like, I think, I don't know if it's like, implied, I gotta see when, let me actually see when Unbreakable comes out, because I could be talking out my butt real quick, let me see when Unbreakable came out. It came out uh 2000, okay. Uh, it's like, because I want to say, he ends up being the cause of, like, a plane crash, and I was trying to see if they were, like, hinting at 9-11, but it happened before 9-11, and I think it came out in 2000, uh, but basically just all these catastrophes, like things like that, he's caused, and all these deaths, because he's trying to find someone that he believes that basically... There's always a villain and a hero, and he's the villain, and that he need to find his hero, but the hero is always the opposite of the villain. And since Samuel L. Jackson's character is basically like made of glass, you know, he's very fragile, but he has, he's super intelligent, that means that his opposite must be someone that can't be hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So he was causing the catastrophes to find someone that would come out of it unscathed so he could find his hero, right? And then it ends. After he explains,
0: oh no! He explains
1: this, right? He explains this, and Bruce Willis is like, "You're sick," and then he gets arrested because they call the cops because they have all this evidence right there where Samuel L. Jackson's character is explaining it, and he gets put in the asylum, right? And that's how it ends. The whole time, it's just a buildup of like, "Oh, he's starting to discover his powers." And, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is kind of like leading him through it, like, oh, this is what you are. And then he admits that he's caused all these catastrophes. I'm just trying to find my hero, and then he gets arrested.
0: Oh, my God. That's such a... Go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just like, that's such a... Like, I didn't even know what else to say after that. And the thing is, it's just like, in Unbreakable, you know,
1: he starts donning, like, that green cloak, and he does start, like, saving people, right? But he wears the cloak because water is his weakness, and if he gets wet, he can get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And so he wears, like, basically, like, a poncho. And so the reason I was almost going to put Glass is, spoiler alert, every one of the, like, Splits character characterized, uh, you know, Mr. Glass dies, the dude from Unbreakable dies, and they all die in stupid ways. Breaking Bruce (laughs) Willis's character, who's, you know, uh, and the whole time you're like, there's no way. But Bruce Willis's character, who's weak to water, a dude just drowns him in a puddle. Oh, that's God. Just, like, look at it. He gets drowned in a puddle.
0: I don't know why M. Night Shyamalan thought that he needed to make his own, like, superhero universe. Um, and this is why I think that, like, as Dan was saying before, that his success has almost gone to his head. Because it's like, what sense does any of that make? And I just realized, does he have something with water? Because it's like Bruce Willis's character um, will die with water and the, like, beings and signs will die with water.
1: That I didn't, I didn't put that together. Maybe he's afraid yeah. of water.
0: M. <laughs> Night no Shyamalan's afraid of water.
1: <laughs> That's like I know it's like a weird subject, but some people have some like like I nearly drowned as a child, right? But I don't mm-hmm. have a fear of water. I just understand hey, I need to wear a life jacket because I'm not I'm I sink, right? But my mama was always ever since I was little, she was terrified of water, terrified of water. Which keep in mind. Like, my family history on my grandma's side have all, like, either been harmed in a crazy way or died in a crazy way. Like, uh, my mama lost, uh, I think, a, one brother to uh, a gas station explosion. Uh, the yeah. Yeah, it burns up oxygen. It suction cupped the, the door shut. And, like, because of the, the explosion, so they died in a fire in the gas station, couldn't get the door open. Uh, my great uh, my great uncle, he's alive, but he survived uh, crashing his plane. Uh, it was a crop duster. It was overloaded and put himself up in a puddle. He has third-degree burns all over his body, had, like, 60-something, like, skin graft surgeries, right? Like, everybody's done a crazy way, but her fear... More than anything was water because she was afraid of suffocating, and I'm like, "There's just, it's crazy that that whole family has like, like, had a fire themed death, but her biggest fear was water." And I always found that fascinating, and that's why like with like M Night Shyamalan, I can't say his name. Is it Shyamalan?
0: M Night Shyamalan.
1: Shyamalan. He like his thing of water. I'm like. Some people have deep connections to just a fear of water.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, they're like, I don't think my grandpa has ever swam. You know, um, I mean, he, yeah, but that's so weird. Has he like maybe he's like never swam before? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say with that ending with Unbreakable because it's like I would feel so let down at that point. <laughs> like you're watching and you're like. This is the end. That's what, like, everything's been building up towards. And then it's like, and done. And scene. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember when we were watching it, I was like, um, Aaron, there's
1: only uh, five minutes left. And I'm pretty sure that three of those minutes are going to be credits. So, and then that happened. I was like, oh.
0: That uh-oh. has happened to me before with movies where you're like, all right, it's towards the end you only got like 10 minutes left where are we going with this um and it's like oh in reality it's not going anywhere but um uh i would love to hear what other people think because i think that i know that you really enjoy split and i know that you enjoyed glass even though you can admit its flaws um i would love to know what people think about unbreakable because i feel like that trilogy is very polarizing in general But the, I think, majority people really liked Unbreakable. But I'm wondering if they feel the same way that you do where the ending was just questionable. It was just very quick. It was just very extremely quick. So we've had some uh things on this list where the ending was too long and drawn out and then others where the ending is like way too freaking quick but we are at the number one on our list here right of our top 10 worst movie endings and of course let's go through them before we get to our number one pick I have a bunch of by the way honorable mentions that I'll just quickly go through after we go to after the first one but we have Titanic, Signs City of Angels, Batman vs. Superman, Mark Wahlberg's Planet of the Apes, Thumper, The Resident, Karate Kid, Unbreakable. And mine is going to be a movie that I didn't necessarily like in general, which really surprised me because I love the director. But it's going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Oh, I didn't see it. I did not see it. So, the thing is that's crazy is, like, people were praising this movie up and down. They were saying it was, like, Quentin Tarantino's best movie. It, like, was nominated for an Oscar, and I didn't see it. And I love – and this comes from someone who loves Quentin Tarantino's movies. I think, like – he is in a top tier list of directors, you know? Like Inglorious Bastards is still one of the best movies of all time. Django Unchained, Reservoir Dogs. I even loved Hateful Eight, which that movie itself gets some flack, but I loved Hateful Eight. I like kids. Yeah, it's intense. So you have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I'll go through the plot really quick. It was kind of all over the place, right? But here's the gist of it. You have Leonardo DiCaprio's character who plays um, kind of one of those actors during, say, where – you know during the era I think probably during like the 60s where westerns were were once really popular but they're kind of going out of popularity and all these actors who like you're used to seeing on your screen all the time like really can't translate to anything else and their careers kind of going in the tank so that's what Leonardo DiCaprio's character is like a guy who was once super popular because he was on a western but now isn't really going anywhere in his career so the movie is about him and his bodyguard not bodyguard sorry his driver played by brad pitt in Leonardo dicaprio's quest to become relevant again and he's not getting any roles people don't really want to work with him anymore and he finally gets like a, a guest spot on another show which like he's super proud of because it's like he does like this little girl tells him that he did a really good job and he's like crying over it because like pretty much every director and movie producer in Hollywood's like you're not good anymore sorry um and like at some point he starts doing like foreign films because of whatever you know what I'm saying Pre- yeah. for someone's life who's going through the tank so while this is happening at the same point you have the story of um Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. And it's not a lot, like, I know a lot of criticism was drawn from the fact that she really has no speaking lines. She says, like, one thing at the end of the movie. Um It's really just, like, scenes of her, like, going to the movie theater, enjoying herself. And in a sense, I kind of almost felt like, this was Quentin Tarantino's way of doing a tribute to Sharon Tate, because you know Sharon Tate, for those who don't know, was horrifically murdered by um, Charles Manson's followers while pregnant. Um, and Crazy. so I'm, yeah, you know, and so I, I'm thinking that she, you know, was a beloved actress at some point, and maybe this was just Quentin Tarantino's way of just kind of like showcasing her. Her, you know, doing pretty much, like, mundane things but enjoying her life, you know, dancing at parties, enjoying her pool at her mansion, you know, and maybe even a way to just, like, give a little spotlight on an actress who didn't deserve the horrific things that happened to her. And I get that. But so you have that going on. And then while that's going on, you have um, Charles Manson's followers. You see Charles Manson once in this movie, but really not for long. Um, He, like, waves at Brad Pitt's character at some point, and that's it. Um, But besides that, it's really just following, like, his, you know, followers. So anyway, this is all happening. It just seemed like a bunch of different movies at the same time, because while this is all happening, then you're seeing the clips of the episode that Leonardo DiCaprio's character filmed, like a lot's going on at once, and it just felt like as if they were trying to like throw in a lot, Um, they had a lot of like well-known, they had a lot of actors playing well-known actors from that day, so it felt as if like you were supposed to go, oh look, there's that famous actor, oh look, there's that famous actor, oh look, that person's playing Bruce Lee, you know, you know, But all of it just felt like a bunch of little scenes put together that really didn't make sense. But here is where I'm coming at with the ending. So the end of the movie, spoiler alert, I guess, for people who haven't seen it, but it came came out in 2019. You had time. Um, The end of the movie is pretty much Leonardo DiCaprio's character is going to move out of Hollywood and doesn't need Brad Pitt's character anymore. Thus... Ending an error of their partnership slash friendship, right? So the two of them decide to have a night where they just party and they go crazy and all that. And they smoke a cigarette that's laced with LSD, you know, fun right. stuff. Yeah, um, just normal stuff. <laughs> just normal stuff. So you have that. Um, And I'm sorry if you guys can hear that, but my boyfriend's phone just started ringing. Um, I don't know if you can hear that at all, but... I can Can barely
1: hear it. I just thought it was more traffic outside. I thought the cops were coming for you again.
0: (laughs) They're always coming for me. But um, anyway, so the two of them, you know, have a crazy night. And the thing is, okay, they live in Hollywood, and they live right next door to Sharon Tate, even though – um, Leon- and that's another thing. Leonardo DiCaprio's character has never talked to Sharon Tate, even though he really wants to, because the real life Sharon Tate was married to Roman Polanski, who at the time was like a really big director, and he's like, "Oh my god, that can save my career." Even though now we know Roman Polanski is a very despicable person, um, has done really crazy things. Look him up sometime. But yeah, I'm not look him up because I didn't know what he did. Yeah, just he's you know. Not a good person. But anyway, so Charles Manson's followers concoct, you know, their plan to kill Sharon Tate as a message to Hollywood, you know, what happened in real life. But they get the house wrong. So instead of going to Sharon Tate's house, they go to um, Leonardo DiCaprio's house and end up getting into this, like, really bloody, like, match with Brad Pitt's character that's really unrealistic and all that. Um, You know, it's just like this, it just felt as if, you know, it was just a really lackluster ending, and it felt like the movie was too all over the place for this to feel like a conclusive climax, because maybe if the movie focused a little bit more on the Charles Manson aspect of it, it would have paid off, but it really just was all over the place that I didn't feel as if it really had the, like, the pow that maybe Quentin Tarantino wanted it to. So at the end of the movie, um, they fight against the people who in real life killed Sharon Tate, but they fight against them, and they end up killing them themselves. Um, And the police come. Crazy. Yeah, and then the police come, and Sharon Tate is like, what's that commotion there? And it's like, oh, hi, you're that actor, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's actor. Oh, I've seen your stuff, you know. Do you want to come in? And he's like, yes, Sharon Tate, I want to come into your home. And she's like, great, we're just having a party in here. And, that, and like, that's how it ends. And, but, like, that's how but, it ends. <laughs> so
1: they wrote history. By the way, I, I did look at Roman Polanski. I, I remember who he was. And then as soon as I saw the fugitive from the U.S. law system before blah, 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 yeah. blah, I was like, oh, oh.
0: And, you know, and I think it's, like, first and off. also, really quick before you start. Um, I just want to say like I don't mind Quentin Tarantino rewriting history because in reality that should have never happened to her, and it's tragic, and also he kind of did the same with you know inglorious bastards, like killing hit like yeah. killing Hitler in like the most epic of ways, so it's like I don't mind him rewriting the history, but sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just like, um oh what was I was going say, um. Sorry. Oh, I think say, i am say No, it's okay. I think like i have say something but like, you know, I do get fascinated with Sharon Tate and everything, but I felt, oh, nobody loves Hollywood more than Hollywood loves Hollywood. And I feel like sometimes throwing in that many actors playing famous people, especially in one of the golden ages of, uh, you know, film and everything, I felt like it was probably their way of, like, yeah, this is our nod. You know what I mean? Because Hollywood's obsessed with Hollywood. There's no better way to get, like, an award than doing a movie about Hollywood. And so it's like, I still think Quentin is great. But, and you know, I think the world's been fascinated with, you know, Sharon Tate, but I think more so Hollywood and its fascination with her murder. Because what's crazy is that people do focus so much on Sharon Tate, but she also had other famous people that died with her in that home, didn't she?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There were um, Her friends who were over there chilling with her at the time were also killed, who were also known in Hollywood, but no one ever talks about them. People only talk about what happened to Sharon Tate, and it's like, I'm wondering if that's a combination of her just being a beloved actress or the fact that she was married to Rowan Polanski. Um, But, yeah, no, there were other people with her. I think at least two other people. Yeah,
1: like on that side
0: note, what's terrifying about that is, like, we
1: think all the time, like, oh, what would happen if someone got in the house? And you do think you're like, oh, I would hear them. It's like that's scary that they snuck in like that, I think, as it is. But I guess I'm just kind of like, I do, I don't want to say like disrespectful, but it does seem a little like, I'm probably rewriting the history of it. Her being like, oh, do you want to come in here? I'm like, she did, and she died pregnant, and it was really
0: tragic, but you're going to have her be like, oh, you know what I mean? It's a little like, ah. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> weird because like, you know. I mean, did Leonardo DiCaprio's character ever really care about Sharon Tate other than the fact that he felt that he could use her connection to Rowan Polanski to, you know, jumpstart his career again, you know? And it's like, is it really such a, what Shona calls it, is it really such a tribute to Sharon Tate when you don't have her have any speaking lines? She's just there as this like a fairy going throughout the film. It's like maybe have shown a little bit of her work maybe show her talking and you know um things that she cared about if you really want to give a tribute to sharon tate and if like you really want to give a share like if you really want to read write history right have sharon tate be the one who's fucking beating up these assholes and killing them like why is it you know
1: guys that you made up do it
0: yeah, these characters that never existed. Like, neither one of these guys existed in Hollywood. Like, yeah, they're supposed to be based off of people, but these people didn't exist. And you're having them be the heroes to, again, the Aretha, you know, Sharon Tate when it's like, and I'm not sitting here trying to say. That Quentin Tarantino is being sexist or anything. Let me put that out. You know, he had Kill Bill, which was all about badass ladies. He had Jackie Brown, which is about badass ladies. You know, badass lady and Inglorious Bastard. Like, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying that it's a little tone deaf that it wasn't Sharon Tate who was the one who was kicking ass. And like, I'm and this thing is put it right
1: now because the people like Sharon Tate's sister actually like signed off on it. But they said, I think it's supposed to be more of, uh, I think it's the way I'm like saying, because a lot of people were like, what was the point of Sharon Tate in the movie? That's one question I saw a lot on, like when I tried to look it up. But what they said is, I guess, like, is it was like their way of like trying to let her spirit escape the situation and maybe like, like, oh, if we make a famous movie that kind of shows in a light where it didn't happen, it's almost like a way of helping those still grieving. Like it's like interesting. Like I kind of get it. But also, I don't think I guess for me, it's like that makes sense and I appreciate it. But I don't think the masses are going to look that deep into it, if that makes sense.
0: No, and it absolutely makes sense what you said. Um, There's at some point in the movie where Bruce Lee teaches – they show Bruce Lee teaching Sharon how to fight, uh, which apparently was something that happened in real life. So what was the point, though, of showing that? If not to kick ass, wouldn't, like, that be perfect? Like, oh, here's Bruce Lee, a well-known martial artist who kicked ass. Who was known for his movies where he just fought and kicked ass in it? And why not? You know, if you're showing him teaching her these moves, then why not have that pay off at the end where she's the one using what Bruce Lee taught her against these assholes?
1: I know that that is a good point. That would have been like kind of like that last triumph. You know what I mean? Kind of like to let her have that rest. But I, it does. I don't know. It was just. I get what you mean. It's a little confusing.
0: And I also just didn't understand the inclusion of um, what John calls it, the Charles Manson family. This movie realistically didn't need that at all. You could have had this whole movie about Leonardo DiCaprio's character. But at the same time, I think that, you know, Quentin Tarantino's movies are all about, like, the, you know, blood and guts. And it's like, okay, well, how do we have blood and guts in this movie? oh, well, this is around the same time that Charles Manson's, you know, family killed Sharon Tate. Let's throw that in somehow. He loves his blood and guts. He loves his blood and guts. Listen, Brad Pitt's character certainly, um, like, destroyed the fuck out of those people. But I don't know. It was a little weird to me. I didn't like the ending at all. It didn't feel like it paid off. It didn't feel like it was as eerie as they wanted it to be too, because he kind of made it comical. Like there's at some point where, and again, maybe like this is to take away the power that these, you know, people have had of them being so dangerous, but you know, they were so dangerous. They murdered people, a pregnant woman, you know, so sadistically, but there's a scene where they're pulling up to the home and like, they're kind of having this, like, goof around moment, you know, that's a little comical where one of them's like, oh, you know, I didn't know that we were actually going to go do this. Um, I'm I'm going to go, you know, and, like, kind of, like, slips out of the car and, like, trots away pretty much. And it's like, and you're what? Like,
1: uh, you're like, that, that's supposed to be funny?
0: Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. So I didn't really like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I certainly didn't like the way it ended, but... Um, yeah, so that's my number one on our list here of our top ten worst movie ending. While we have a few more minutes, um, Brittany, did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to put out there?
1: I think I had uh, – oh, I think, you know, just having um, Glass on there, which I gotta gave my explanation for that. I heard, like, uh, The Devil Inside Me, I think it's what it's called. Let me look um, – I never watched it, but I heard the ending. They made you like go. If you want more in- information about the ongoing, uh, you know, investigation, go to this website. And it was oh. like they inserted the ending into a website. And uh, also, the movie Lucy was pretty bad, especially because they went off the whole <laughs> humans only use a certain part of their brain, but that's not actually true. That's kind of like. I don't know, and then she also that has, been,
0: into, that, that has, has been, been proven into, false.
1: Yeah, and like she used like she turned into like a supercomputer at the end. I don't know; it was a lot.
0: Oh my god, it was a lot, but yeah, um, but
1: it was a lot, Gia. Um, uh,
0: my I, I do have a few on my list, but I'll go through them. Um, uh, John Wick three. As much as I liked the movie, I didn't really like the ending, and it kind of was a little campy and unrealistic. Um, Justice League—I mean, the whole movie—throw it out. Um, AI—if anyone has ever seen the movie AI—to me, it was possibly one of the worst movies of all time. It really played during that era where people were obsessed with like cyberpunk in the future that you know goes haywire and. You know, shit like that. It's just, it was bad it's with the kid from The Sixth Sense. I mean, God, it was just, I saw it in the movie theaters, and I really wanted to walk out when I was yeah, watching want it. But back. I wanted my money back so bad. Um, Sex in the City 2, hated the ending, didn't really like the movie, especially hated the ending. Um, there was this movie on Netflix that came out a couple of years ago with Boyd Holbrook called In the Shadow of the Moon, and I felt like the whole movie itself would have been better as a mini series. and the ending just was so disappointing and made a whole lot of no sense. Um, And and this recent movie that came out with Joel Kinnaman called Brothers by Blood, I really disliked the ending because it was, again, like the – what the fuck that it just ended like that. Like that's it. Like I watched this whole movie and that's how it ends. Like that was my reaction to it. <laughs> that was my entire reaction.
1: <laughs> oh, by the way, a minute ago I did see the uh end of Karate kid and yes it is pretty abrupt, but you know what saves it? What? Johnny Hansen the trophy. He's happy. I did see that. Going. He, like, that's the one thing that gets me about their hatred for one another, or, like, Danny's, like, or, sorry, Daniel, I might have called him Danny, Daniel's, uh, like, the hatred of him. And, like, dude, he had a good moment where he handed it over to you and was, like, you're the winner, like, fair and square, and wasn't a dick about it, and that's how you're going to do him? That's how you're going to do
0: but that's what I'm saying. I feel like Daniel was not this, like, goody-two-shoes that everyone thinks he is. I think that he got really big in his adulthood, and so he kind of always had this, like, thing, like, I'm the underdog. It's like, yeah, well, not now you're not. Like, now you're not. You're a really successful car, you know, dealership owner, whereas Johnny is literally, like, living out of the worst fucking mini apartment I've ever seen, you know. And uh, so, you know, I I feel as if it's a combination of that and also what happened in Karate Kid 3, which I don't know because I didn't watch it, but it really seems like what I'm reading up on what happened in the third Karate Kid, it really seems as if so much of Daniel's, like, resentment towards Cobra Kai all can be pointed back to his experience with Terry Silver as opposed to really his experiences with John Kreese and Johnny. But I know I saw that Johnny handed him the fricking, um, trophy. And I think even at the beginning of karate kid too, he says like, um, you know, he won or something like that. Like, uh, I don't know. He kind of seems as if, you know, he's not that broken up about it.
1: And I think because, uh, also, um, I'm trying to think what else. I wonder if that will be the catalyst of them working together is him realizing, like, because, you know, there's memories that get foggy as you age. Like, I'm sure there's people I really didn't like growing up, and then real looking back at it, I'd probably realize, hey, you know, that makes a little more sense from their perspective.
0: Well, you have to watch the end of Cobra Kai Season 3. I'm not going to spoil anything. (laughs) But, you know, just what you said, you know, you know, you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to text you afterwards the freaking spoilers because I can't wait for you to watch it. But yeah, yeah, um, i have been waiting forever, girl. Before we close everything off, right, because we talked about the worst endings, I did want to end this with suggesting a good TV show that I just watched and it's on Netflix and it's called Lupin. I'm probably not pronouncing oh. it because it's in French. Um I think but it Lupin. I, Lupin. So it's just came out in the beginning of this month um and what should I it it's all in French. It's a 5 episode mini series. It's going to have a second part to it and it's so fucking good. Um it, to me, it feels like the Queen's Gambit where you're like, this is just good writing. It keeps me on my toes. It has, you know, mystery to it. And it's it's really phenomenal. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there and suggest that, that if anyone is looking for a good miniseries to watch and you don't mind subtitles, which I never do, um, Lupin is fantastic. But Brittany, do you have anything you want to suggest for – to end on a positive note here? Um, um um
1: well i don't know because i feel like what i'm watching right now what i'm watching right now everybody's already watched i'm finally watching uh, the newest mandalorian season
0: maybe not everyone is so they should definitely check it out because mandalorian season two is really good as well
1: I always get into this trap where I don't like starting things because I get too emotionally invested. It's the same reason I haven't, you know, picked up a really good book in a long time, which I do want to pick up Hannibal uh, or, you know, Silence of the Lambs. But uh, what gets me is is every time Aaron's like, okay, but I'm going to put it on, and then I end up watching the entire thing.
0: Well, thank God for that. Maybe I should tell Aaron to get you to freaking watch the rest of Cobra Kai. Apparently that's what I need to do. (laughs)
1: He started it first. He's the one that needs to watch it.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, like, uh, you need to definitely watch freaking Cobra Kai. Like, I'm not the only one. My mom loves Cobra Kai. Pauly doesn't like it. <laughs> 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 He's sitting there in the kitchen going, I don't blame you. When I'm... All right. Well, we're ending on a positive note here. But, Brittany, tell me. Uh, we'll tell everyone where they can find you, what you got coming up next, and all that good stuff.
1: I going to say, you can find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit. I just bought a heart monitor um, for streaming. Basically, you hook it up to, you wrap it around your chest, and when you're playing scary games, people can, I don't know, it's just like a fun little addition because when you're playing scary games, sometimes people are like, oh, my God, it's so scary. But sometimes it really shows how scary it is when your heart rate's like, doubling like like I, I, like as if your heart's going through like a full-on sprint so i will be doing that um i should be we were raising money for uh rain which is for uh is for rape abuse and incest national network and we hit our goal for that so it was awesome and then um you can find me on Twitter at Itty Bitty Brit zero, but I probably will be playing some good scary games. Uh, there was some game I was wanting to play tonight, but I can't remember what it was, so you will see about that.
0: Well, everyone, please make sure that you check that out. I'm really glad that you reached your goal with Rain. That's fantastic. Congratulations to all of Brittany's followers who donated. Um, And yeah, just make sure you check out Brittany. As I uh, always say, she's a very dedicated streamer who gives a lot of hours of her week to entertaining you all. Um, Thank you, Dan, for joining us on this. Um, It was a lot of fun. I think that him, Mark, and Aunt—they got a really great thing going on with they call this a movie. And as he said, his wife Jen is also a fantastic streamer. Game Vault, Gamer Vault—it's a Game Vault podcast or Gamer Vault? Now I can't remember. Um, but you can check them out. Obviously, the main Damie on Twitter. Make sure you check it out. Um, they're just great, great people. Great people need to promote great people. So make sure you check that out. And make sure you always check out our top 10s. We do this every week. We are super dedicated. Even when it is early in the morning and Brittany probably wants to kill me. Um, We do it anyway. Um, And you can give us a like, give us a subscribe, check us out. Make sure you check us out at geekvibesnation.com. We're here all the time. We love you all. And please stay safe out there. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.